I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Made for March here, coming at you on Friday, December 18th, week away from Christmas. Amazing how the calendar's flown, and guess what, Tim? DePaul, the Blue Demons, we've claimed ourselves as a, a DePodcast at times, but they still haven't played a game yet. They're and unbeaten. They're one of a, a handful. <laughs> yeah, so I guess they're technically unbeaten. Them and the Ivies, all unbeaten this year, so they're, they're slated to get going December 23rd, I saw, so they've got quite a ways away still, even until that, that first game. But yeah, I mean, we continue to see the the COVID stuff impact these games getting canceled left and right. We're starting to see slowly a lot of them start to get rescheduled, which is good to see them get back on the calendar. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of those later on, including uh, we've got another Big Ten ACC matchup. We're closing out the, the challenge this week. So we've got that in our weekend winners, and we'll also get to our upset picks as well for the weekend. CBS Sports Classic, talk about a shuffling. Yeah, they're shuffling about that deck pretty. <laughs> yeah, they're shuffling that deck pretty heavy. So we'll break down what the new matchups are for this weekend. But we start with this. Kansas, Texas Tech, they played last night, and... What a game that was. I mean, uh, old school defensive sort of game. I kind of had a feel that that was going to be the way it was because you've got Texas Tech, the best defense in the country per Ken Palm. You and I, based on the eye test, both believe that Kansas maybe has the best defensive personnel. It lived up to that, and Kansas comes away a, a very narrow winner. Yeah, I had two takeaways to this game. The first one is Mac McClung looks good <laughs> like, i know that the stats weren't great and that's just a byproduct of kansas and the nature of this game it was a very ugly game and i gotta give it to him i was a little skeptical about how it would translate to the chris beard system but he has looked very good and they're maximizing him honestly like as good as could possibly be expected marco santos silva on the other hand the other transfer from vcu i think is a little bit underwhelming maybe compared to my preseason expectations but the other takeaway and I think perhaps the biggest note of the game, and I'm not usually this guy, but the refs in this game were just egregiously bad. <laughs> it was bad, yeah. right? You like, and I aren't, we're not blame the refs guys. No. Like, we don't point fingers at the refs, but some of the, I mean, <laughs> I saw, I think the ringer put out a, an article that the charge has to go. <laughs> we're already <laughs> After at that watching point. that game, there's, <laughs> you, you could come away with that justifiably, just the way that game was efficient. It's frustrating too. And I know Jay Billis has his whole thing that if you had changed the way the the referee's signal, if you just swapped the way that the referee signals a charge and a 24-second violation, so you remove the punch and you replace it with a head tap, we wouldn't see as many charges. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, after watching last night, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done because it's getting egregious right now. On And maybe maybe it's one of those things where, I mean, the amount of fans in that building last night... Did the refs want to kind of put on a show for the for the fans? Because I think that might be the something. only game they get with uh with a I won't say maximum capacity, but it, it kind of felt like maximum capacity. I mean, you looked in the stands and it was pretty full. It was weird, right? Because that was the first time we've watched a game, and the fans aspect has been peculiar. Like that's twenty twenty. Right. That's like we've where seen we're at. fans at other places. There's been fans at Florida State, Louisville, sure. to name a few. And then obviously you watch some football games on the weekends and you see fans, but to see it in a basketball venue as loud and ruckus and 
plentiful, dare I say, as it was at, in Lubbock. That was a, a little concerning to me, but I'm wondering if that's what it was. Were the refs trying to put on a show for the fans? Like, that's what it looks like to me. I think either consciously or subconsciously, maybe it's subconscious to the refs, it definitely played a factor because they were sort of TV teddying it up a little bit. I don't know who the crew was. I don't know their background, but it was a bad called game. And like like we said, we're not usually these guys. I always say the, the line that I think everyone says that defends the refs, which is the players miss shots, the refs miss calls. The refs have off nights, off moments in the game. The players have off moments in the game. But... To be fair, when a player, like if Mac McClung went two for 20 in the game and was terrible, we'd get on this podcast and we'd criticize Mac McClung. He didn't, but in this case, the refs basically went like two for 20 in that game. I thought they were terrible. Right. So I'm going to criticize like, let's them. Let's see him get it right, too, because it's one thing where Mac McClung, he can miss a shot, but he can't say, oh, wait, give me that back and, and let me shoot it again. Yeah. The refs, it, you can pause a little bit. And gather your thoughts. You can blow your whistle, pause for a, a half beat, and then make your call. Or let's say you're a little unsure of it, think it through, or, or maybe you do make a call. You can change said call. And I know you're going to get coaches mad at you, but at the end of the day, it's a little more important to be right. And some of the calls, I mean, they nearly cost Kansas this game with some of the charges that were being called at the end. No doubt, and it's frustrating that this is the takeaway from the game. It was a very good game. I think Texas Tech held their own, even though they lose at home, which was a good chance to pick up a marquee win. It was a, a good effort from Texas Tech. I didn't come away thinking any less of them. I think they have some things to figure out offensively, but I think everyone does. And the thing about Texas Tech is they lost a lot from last year, and they're incorporating a lot of new pieces. Those two transfers I mentioned and just, I think they lost eight of their top 10 scores from a year ago. So right there, they're not in a good position to succeed given the nature of the offseason and the nature of just this season of 2020 where you've got a lot of moving parts and everything. So Texas Tech, to me, has looked pretty solid through the early stages of the season here. They only fall, I think, to nine on Ken Palm, which puts them as one of the best two-loss teams, maybe the best two-loss team on Ken Palm last I looked. And they're 6-2 and two on the season, but their two losses are to Houston at a neutral site and to Kansas at home, albeit, but still by one point on the very end of the game, a couple plays that could have gone the other way. Really, I mean, it's a shame because I, I wish that the main talking points and what we, we can get to it still, it's not like the refs completely overshadow what Kansas did, but Abaji's terrific in this game, and they run that circle lob play that they always run, to get that huge bucket to him at the end. Yeah, everyone thought that was some sort of revelation there, I feel like. And then there was some <laughs> Twitter clip that was running around that Bill Self has called that play about 100 times. Yeah, and it's working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But Bill Self, I mean, he's got to be about as good as it gets at after timeout. I know that's discussed a little bit more yeah, in the, the ATOs, NBA. Yeah, the ATOs. Yeah. Right. He's, he's been really good at those. Right. And, I mean, I will say this. The, the possession before that, because remember, I think they got the offensive rebound off of it, and then Self called the timeout. But what are we doing giving David McCormick final shots here? Because he steps into a pretty poor shot right at the end. It was a absolutely brutal possession when you're trying to set up a, a game to win, and then you go out, Bill Self has seen enough. He's like, all right, I got to call this timeout here, otherwise I'm not going to get what I want. And then it's a perfectly drawn up play to, to seal the game. But 
Uh, I do want to bring up, you mentioned Oshaya Baji, and we've been kind of on him in, in a good way pretty much since Maui of last season, and he shined out in this game. I mean, what he could do offensively, defensively, I mean, even the little things when he would mess up, like he had the turnover late in the second half, but then he turns it into a chase down block on the other end, and we're seeing someone grow before our eyes at Kansas, and he's one of those guys who I think is really special and can bring a lot for the Jayhawks. It was good to see because he laid an egg in their last big game. Against Creighton, he had zero points, and they still held on in that game by one point. So here's, at the kind of early stages of the season, Kansas has already won two games by one point, one to Creighton at home on that Zagorowski free throw mess at the end, and Jalen Wilson making a bad play to foul him. And I will say, that's what made Jalen Wilson's block at the end of this game, which I, I don't know if this true block but he got a piece of the shot at the end there for texas tech it made it even more impressive because in the last big moment he overcommitted and made a boneheaded foul that almost cost them the game and could have made him the scapegoat of the game despite playing great in that game against creighton so for him to still you know get a piece of the ball and be active enough to challenge the shot without fouling after making that costly error last time i think was pretty impressive I will say this, um, we've seen Terrence Shannon uh, from Texas Tech also grow a little bit too. Like there was, he, he made the one shot that, I can't remember if it was to tie or take the lead near the end of the game, and it eerily reminded me of the same shot that he took against DePaul from a season ago. Remember that game against DePaul when yeah, was the a Blue wild Demons game. get that big win at, in Chicago, and Terrence Shannon takes an ill-advised shot and just misses terribly. Well, he took a shot that I didn't think was a great shot selection given the timing and, and location and the uh, how he was defended, but it went in this time. And he's a guy, he had 20 points in this game, but I think he could be something special too. He, he had a much more efficient game than, than Mac McClung in this one, and we're seeing the Big 12. There's some stars emerging in this yeah. conference, whether it's Abaji, Shannon, obviously Baylor's got a number of them, Texas has countless bigs west virginia's grooming them too i mean the top of this conference and maybe next week we can get into some conference power rankings too because the top of this conference is as strong as it comes no doubt and that's what kansas is rolling through right now they've got i think it's texas next and then or west virginia next and then texas on their schedule so this is a huge win for them because this is one of three really tough games in a row you go on the road and you pick up a big conference win. I'd add Jalen Wilson, too, to kind of those up-and-coming stars. Right. I think at Had a little bit point, of a down game in this one, but he's, yeah. he was, he's been very good this season. Right. At this point, I would say he has played easily like a top-five freshman in the country, maybe even a top-three freshman. I think it's Cade Cunningham, and then you get into another tier where he's in it, and maybe, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think who else. Maybe Suggs is in there. I think Suggs, Scotty Barnes is definitely up there. Barnes is the guy who I think has caught my eye. I don't even think Kay Cunningham's in a, a tier of his own anymore. I really think that Scotty really? Barnes has joined him in that that echelon. I, I'm that high on him right now. I would say also he's must watch for me every single night. Yeah, no, he's been. He's, I saw someone throw around. He's like Magic Johnson, but it's kind of true. Like he's perfect for Leonard Hamilton's system and everything. He's been impressive. I would also say Cam Thomas at LSU has quietly been really good, putting up a lot of good numbers. And then Hunter Dickinson has also been really good. From Michigan, good. yeah. He's yeah. been he's been everything and more that that team has needed. So 
Uh, th- there's some phenomenal freshmen that we have watched this year yeah. in college basketball. And then West Coast, after... yeah, like Mobley and uh, um, who's the guy from Stanford? I'm blanking on his name. That they Zaire called... Williams. Yeah, Zaire Williams. Like those Not two. Williamson, Williams. Right, <laughs> exactly. I was, I was scared to say it like Zion, so I wanted to make sure you you came in and got it right. So those guys probably don't get enough credit because they're on the West Coast. They've been great as well. There are some exciting freshmen, but I think Jalen Wilson going into the year was not top 10, and he's probably leapfrogged some of the Kentucky guys. And just from a pure statistic perspective. How about all the Duke guys too? Yeah, <laughs> not hard to do, but I think he's definitely done right. it. Speaking of Duke, Tim, oh, what people yeah. want to know right now, is Duke back? Is Duke back? Because... Coach K is axing all, all their non-con games, and they go out, they pick up a very convincing win on the road. Coach K continues to dominate his former assistants by taking down Mike Bray at Purcell Pavilion. And the people want to know, is Duke back? Have they turned the corner here? No Jalen Johnson for the foreseeable future, but is Duke back? I think what I really want to know is what's going on with Jalen Johnson? Because I'm sure some... Yeah, we got to talk about what your boy said, Tim. Jeff Goodman, and- yeah. Let's let's make no secret here. You're a part of the the field of sixty eight uh, podcast network, and I mean, what's your boy saying? Him him and Rob Douster are, are going off and and saying that that Jalen Johnson might be faking a foot injury right now, and this might not be a, a legitimate thing that he's sitting out for. I, I got to give the benefit of the doubt to Jeff Goodman and assume that this is sourced and he's not just coming up with this from he thin air. He can't just say that. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to think that that's not the case. Now, if you go look at the comments from the video and just talk to a Duke fan about it, then they'll tell you that Jeff Goodman has a personal vendetta against the Blue Devils, and this is just him doing his usual thing. That's probably a little ridiculous, but we'll see. I mean, I, I would like to think that Goodman wouldn't just say that, and I'm pretty curious now to see if there's any follow-up on this, if there's any clarity on it, and what the heck that came from, because to me, that was pretty noteworthy, and it didn't really maybe get to the mainstream sort of talk. I know a lot of Duke fans, it got on their radar, and then they got upset about it, and like I said, were kind of questioning Goodman's integrity about the comment or where it came from. Who knows, but I'm curious, because Jalen Johnson... It was kind of weird timing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to speculate on it. I don't really know the situation. Definitely don't know it as well as Goodman, clearly. But that's got me curious going forward. Very, very strange situation there. But anyway, to get back to, to Duke as a whole, they go out, they stomp Notre Dame. Um, and we, we kind of said this. When, when we were looking at the Blue Bloods that have been struggling and, and evaluating who has the best chance to to get right of the, the major programs that are struggling right now we said duke's gonna do the short-term answer is duke yeah because of the fact that their acc schedule is so soft to begin you look at these first five games they get to play four of the worst teams in the acc and notre dame was stepping stone number one we'll see what happens for the next four games with them but that's when the things are soft on their schedule and then after that it's gonna ratchet up but Duke, they, they did play a lot better. And I think one guy who definitely deserves some credit is DJ Stewart, their point guard. I saw some things out of him where he was playing extremely well off the ball and then turning it into cuts, getting lost in the defense, and making some easy buckets. And credit the rest of the Blue Devils, honestly, for finding him, too, on some of these plays. Yeah, and Jeremy Roach was great. He made some threes for them, which was big. Just felt like 
it was a little bit of relief from the Blue Devils that they were sort of figuring things out offensively and looked a lot better and were ahead in a game. But I will say, I mean, isn't this what they were supposed to do? It's 75 right. on Kempom. I was touting Notre Dame. I think they've been under the radar in terms of how they performed against other ranked teams. And now they've only still lost to ranked teams, I guess, technically. And they beat Kentucky, which was a pretty good win on the road. I still just don't know if it changes my opinion of Duke too much because the fact that we're, you know, being cheerleaders, and I don't think many people are, and I'm, I'm not saying you are, but for someone to go out there and be like, oh, Duke's back because they beat the number 75 team in Kempom by 10 on the road, yeah, that's a nice win, but I don't know. It's like, shouldn't Duke be doing this? Shouldn't this not be a surprise? Right. No, absolutely. I mean, We'll see what happens with them. Again, you and I are kind of in the camp that they're probably going to go, if you include that Notre Dame, for this five-game stretch, they're probably going to go 4-1. and one. With a loss to Florida State mixed in there, but you get Wake, you get Boston College, and, and you get uh, Georgia Tech, I believe. So you, you get the four worst teams on Ken Palm um, in the ACC. So should be pretty soft, should be pretty easy to for uh, the Blue Devil teams. Before we get into some of our picks for the weekend and get into some CBS Sports Classic stuff, let's go through some one and dones for the week. One and done. My guys. Obviously, we have one in our conference. It has a doctorate degree in one and dones, right? <laughs> so we're just going to go back and forth here. I guess I want to start with something with Florida State. They hung the banner, Tim. We, we always tout hanging the really? banner on, on this show, but they hung the banner. Not only are they ACC champs, but they finished number four in the final rankings. It's just the banner says NCAA canceled, number four in the rankings. No, so, it doesn't. Uh, shout out, it, <laughs> That's great. It's one of those things that it, it reminds me of whenever you see the Knicks do something like remotely positive, like got the number three pick in the draft, and, and then someone photoshops a banner yeah. up into the rafters of Madison Square Garden. That's honestly what this thing looks like. That's such a joke. I, I don't know if I like that or not. Because would you allow the ACC championship banner to be hung like that? Well, they did. They won the regular season, right? I mean, that's just a fact. Right. So, yeah, mm -hmm. hang that all you want. You played a full season. It was under normal circumstances up until, you know, the tournament. So put up something that says ACC regular season champs 2020, 2019. See, if you're going to make a joke with the banner i feel like you almost have to lean into it fully like you should have just said like would have been a one seed in the ncaa tournament ncaa canceled something along yeah. those lines as opposed to number four in the rankings i don't know if i like that i think you to your point you either go all the way in or you just don't acknowledge it and you just put it up like it's normal acc regular season champs because i guess you normally wouldn't do that but you couldn't play the tournament, and they were crowned champs. So I'm fine with the ACC stuff. I just don't know if I like number four in the polls at the end of the year or whatever. That That's just kind of an odd thing to put on a banner. It probably looks weird. Right. All right, what do you got? Okay, one of my one and dones. I just want to talk about the Pac-12 a little bit. I, I just Is it time to, to slam the panic button? I mean, I know we've, we never thought the Pac-12 was going to be tremendous, but... This week alone, Arizona State loses a bye game. They get two John Rothstein tweets, by my count, on them. Arizona State to UTEP, bad loss for them. And Arizona State's just what we thought they were. They, I think we literally had them as a Denny Green, as I say that sentence. Like, it was just, this is what we've come I want to say expect. they were Trey Tracker because Oh, yeah, of you're right, you're right. Yeah, Remy because Martin. of Remy. 
But, I mean, I, I think we weren't putting them as Trey Tracker. They're still worth a watch. Yeah. They're worth a watch. It, it kind of proved that we weren't viewing them as a top 30 team, or else we would have had them in one of our tiers, like a Guy Lewis or something. So, yeah, I mean, they're just doing their normal thing. And then Washington loses to Montana, and I think they're 1-5 in five now. It's been... I think 20 of their last 26 games they've lost. I was going to say, yeah, they're like 6-20 and 20 or 6-24 and 24 in their last X number of games. Mike Hopkins won Pac-12, is not too far removed from winning Pac-12 Coach of the Year and, and winning a Pac-12 tournament. Yeah. And, and now he's putting together this run. If, if Mike Hopkins was a stock, he'd be a fascinating chart to look at because he comes in and he goes right up, skyrockets, and then it just feels like it's been kind of a free fall. From that point, and I'm not saying that he's on the hot seat or something like that. I still think he's a good coach, but they've got problems. I know Naz Carter was suspended, had to leave the program. And last year was Quade Green. When they lost him, they really went down. Well, you think, oh, well, they're getting Quade back. That'll be big for them. I was not expecting them to struggle this much. And it's been a lot of extra stuff going on, a lot of things out of their control between injuries and COVID and things like that. So... I don't think it's a panic meter, but just in general, the Pac-12 as a whole, we were talking about this. I like UCLA. I'm pretty lukewarm on Oregon. I, I think they're they down a player that I really liked in Richardson. Don't know if they're exactly what I thought they were going to be. They haven't looked tremendous throughout the year, although Amari's looked really good. He's been scoring like crazy for them. But outside of that, UCLA-Oregon, who else is a tournament lock right now? We can't really say anything about Arizona because... They just haven't played anyone, but I don't know if I really like them to begin with. So I'm I'm very like tentative to call the Pac twelve any sort of like decent conference this year. I I really think the A ten, if they played straight up against the Pac twelve in a tournament, which I guess would be tough to do because they probably have more teams than the Pac twelve. The A ten as a whole though might be better than the Pac twelve this year. Is that yeah. crazy? I mean there there are multiple I mean, it, I mean the A10. You see the performance that that St. Louis put together yeah. last night. I mean, they they looked dominant down the stretch in that win against NC State. I think it ended up being a double digit win for them. And then you bring up Richmond. Dayton's still solid. The A10's got some teams this year. I, I think you look at the, the West Coast Conference, and, and a lot of these teams, honestly, have even out on the West Coast. I mean, where's the Pac-12 in terms of? West Coast conferences right now. There is an argument to be made that they are number three. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, so A10 on Ken Palm, I think by my count, real quick here, they've got eight teams in the top 84 on Ken Palm. Duquesne, Davidson, Rhode Island. Now, St. Bonaventure hasn't played a game. They're 1-0. They played one game, but they're still 72, and we liked Bonnie's going into the year, so I still like them. And Dayton, 60, and then the teams you talked about, VCU, Richmond, and then SLU, who... SLU is just two spots behind UCLA, who leads the Pac-12. There's a strong case to be made, or I guess Oregon's 23 in the Pac-12 standings on Ken Palm, but I think SLU would be maybe the top team in the Pac-12 right now after what I saw against NC State. They've been really good. They already beat LSU this year. They've had some quality wins, and they're 6-0. and No doubt. Uh, another shout-out I want to give out here. How about Wisconsin? The first team that has scheduled Loyola, the first power conference team to schedule Loyola since their run in March and they do it on a whim I think it all got put together pretty much in 48 hours 
And then Wisconsin just blows the doors off the Ramblers. A very impressive win, I think, for the Badgers, uh, who had to try to kind of scramble and, and find an opponent this week, and, and it landed on Loyola. So shout out to Wisconsin for not only being brave enough to take on the Ramblers, but also beating them pretty well, too. Yeah, Wisconsin's look good. I'm I'm excited to watch them play against Louisville because I feel like they kind of got cheated out of that game against Marquette, just the way that foul was called, and then it was such a fluky last play that in my mind, they're almost kind of undefeated at this point, the way they've been playing. I think they've looked good overall. I want to shout out a couple teams that I feel like we're just not talking about enough at this point. Tennessee, to me, I'm not saying they've done anything remarkable, but they've been a, they've been sort of like getting thrown by the wayside just because of COVID and they started their season late and they haven't had the chance to do anything remarkable. And I think people have just kind of forgotten, myself included, I, I was really high on them in the preseason, and there's no reason to change that because they still do have two pretty good wins over Colorado and Cincinnati so far. Those are two top 70 teams on Ken Palm. They took care of them pretty handedly, and my opinions on Tennessee going into the year really haven't changed at all. I had them, I think, as eight in my preseason polls and winning the SEC, and for whatever reason, you just don't see them on SportsCenter or anything, and that's probably because of the COVID pause, and they just haven't played anyone, but it doesn't mean we should just not put them on our radar. Like I think we should still have them in the conversation of who's the best outside of Gonzaga and Baylor. I don't think that's crazy. It's just weird because they've only played three games. So no one's talking about them. Definitely an inside track to take down or not to take down, but to, to win the sec right now, given the fact that Kentucky's struggled, uh, Alabama has been a little up and down. So Tennessee definitely on their way. Another team, that I think is getting overlooked too. How about Rutgers? The start for the Scarlet yeah. Knights right now. Ron Harper, honestly, the the dude's played like a, a Naismith Player of the Year type of guy. And they've got a big game against uh, Illinois this weekend, but impressive performance against Maryland. They also took down Syracuse in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I think Rutgers is really firing right now. They're 5-0 and on the season. And the win against Maryland, I mean, things were neck and neck. And this game's on the road at the Xfinity Center. And then all of a sudden, in the second half, just put the blitz on him. And Ron Harper Jr., the way that he has shot the ball from three, he's shooting 50% from three this season. Yeah. Can you believe that? And he's got one of the top offensive ratings in the country per Ken Palm. And His shot right now, Ken Palm has him crazy good, too. I saw right, them yeah, I think it's what? It. Is it top five or something like yeah. that? But he's... He's been through the roof in terms of his efficiency this year, and a big reason why this Rutgers team is is doing as well as it is right now. And listen, Luca Garza is probably going to win this Player of the Year. It'd be very tough to to take it away right. from him. But in any other year in this wide open race, that the Ron Harper story is great. No doubt, I, I think he's their best player, and I know they've been waiting on Geo Baker to come back. But even I think he played in the last game against Maryland. He looked pretty good, thirteen points, but. They they will go as Ron Harper goes. He's the best player to me, and I have liked what I've seen from Rutgers. Two more teams, and we can get into our picks, for at least that'll end my one-and-dones. Michigan, I think, is going under the radar. They get a big win over Penn State this week, and they just continue to trend up. I mentioned Hunter Dickinson. He's looked really good. And then Xavier. I mean, I'm really excited to watch Xavier Marquette this week. And Marquette's been weird because they've kind of played to their competition. They have these two great wins over Creighton and Wisconsin which are top 15 teams on Ken Palm. And then I think they've lost to every other inside the top 100 Ken Palm team they played because they followed the season. You know Paul. who Marquette reminds me of? Who? 
They remind me of, uh, and you and I, we, we watch a lot of Syracuse basketball, but they remind me of the 2016-2017 the Syracuse team, the one that did not go to the tournament, but ended the season with three top 10 wins. Yeah. It's like, that. that's what you're getting out of Marquette. You're getting a team that can literally beat and lose to anyone in the country. Right, so they've lost to UCLA, Seton Hall, and Oklahoma State, who are kind of like on the same playing field as them. And then they beat Creighton in Wisconsin. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. I do feel like they they have something there. They just haven't quite harnessed it like a lot of these teams. But they could be really good defensively if they kind of iron out their rotation and figure it out a little bit. The The thing about Marquette, too, is that – and we're going to get our net rankings at some point. It's got to be coming soon, right? I, I haven't seen anything about a release date for them. No. But with the net rankings – this is the difference between why a team like Marquette would probably make the tournament versus that team like Syracuse did not is because the net's going to put so much more stock into those wins as opposed to, I think, what the committee did. And if they truly are using the net as some sort of evaluation tool, I think that probably favors Marquette. And I don't think Marquette's going to be a fringe tournament team when it's all said and done. I think they're going to be in pretty comfortably. Yeah. But I would say that if it were to come down to it, they'll probably get in because of the fact that they've got a lot of these good wins. And I think the net rewards you for that. Yeah, they've been a fun team to watch. I, I don't know if we put them in. Can they schedule Ohio State still? Like, th- that's what you got to do. <laughs> right. the, the DJ Carton revenge. Maybe that's what they're going to do. They'll see, oh, DJ Carton, he used to play for Ohio State. He was number one in the net. Boom. Put him in. Yeah, well, maybe they can get into the CBS Sports Classic because Ohio State is, I mean, they're still in it, but we, we need to get into that. Let, let's get into our picks for this week because this yeah. CBS okay, Sports so, thing. So CBS Sports Classic taking place in the wonderful eastern city of, of Cleveland, Ohio. and Joakim Noah's favorite. Joe, yeah, a, a timeless classic. If you don't know that clip, go go check out check it out on YouTube because he, no one vacations in Cleveland. Um, but the CBS Sports Classic, and this is a a weird story of what's been going on. So basically, the the original matchups here, you had Ohio State taking on UNC, you had Kentucky, and you had UCLA. What was this? Yesterday, two days ago, Wednesday, the, the matchups get shuffled. So two days ago, the matchups get shuffled, and all of a sudden, you're looking at now a Kentucky UNC matchup and a UCLA Ohio State in order to align what the conferences protocols and what the teams COVID protocols. They wanted to align the protocols to be as similar as possible, keep those teams with those teams. And so those are the matchups we're getting now. We're getting a shuffled deck. So Kentucky, Carolina, and then UCLA and Ohio State. As a UNC fan, this is great news. I mean, Ohio State blew the doors off of us last year in the Dean Dome. We don't have to relive that. I thought they were going to lose to Ohio State. Now, there is a little bit of pressure on beating Kentucky because if you lose to Kentucky, it's even worse than losing to Ohio State. But I do feel better about the matchup than Ohio State is. And I don't know, in a weird way, maybe these games are just more intriguing because you get blue blood versus blue blood. And then UCLA and Ohio State is going to be a great game. I like both of those teams. I've got my my net conspiracy here from this, all right? The net's probably seeing, oh, Kentucky, UNC trending downwards, UCLA. We need some sort of shuffle here because Ohio State is not on an inside track to be number one in the net right now. And I, after that loss to Purdue, oh no, what, like what's going to happen here? 
So boom, you slide in UCLA to that matchup. If Ohio State goes out, they're in <laughs> the game is taking place in the state of Ohio. And you've got UCLA flying all the way across the country to play this game. Maybe some tired legs, maybe some some hazy minds. And Ohio State can, can catch them off guard and pick up a win here. And then, boom, you've got the, the number one net for the third straight year. Hang the banner. Are you the most excited person in the country for the net ranking? I think you I might think I'm be. the only excited person. <laughs> exactly. Me and the Buckeye fans. Yeah. Me, me and all the, the Ohio State. Me and LeBron. Me and Ohio State. Like, all, all of us. Joey Lane, Mark Titus. Like, it's us. We are the, the net bandwagoners here. I can't wait. I really, really hope that Ohio State is somehow, like, 45 on the net ranking. Just so that all the Twitter... You're not rooting for them to be number one? Well, I mean, that would be... Come hilarious. on, you have to be... You, you have to be rooting for Ohio State to be number one every either year. Either one, or it's like when I follow Bryson DeChambeau in golf. I either want him to be in the conversation or just totally eject so that it's content either way because he goes crazy when he's down and, and struggling. So if they're 45, 50 or something, then the content will be me looking at Ohio State Twitter and Ohio State fans on Twitter being like, oh, these net rankings don't matter. They don't mean anything. We and even though you can probably dig up some receipts from last year when it was a, a big deal to them when they were number one and the year before that they've been number one each time right since it's been like right the yeah first they, week. they've they've released it twice in terms of uh so they've been doing the net rankings for two years now and Ohio State has been the inaugural number one in the net rankings year to year. <laughs> you are so excited for this. I hope. Net comes out and they're just like, yeah, we're taking the year off or something. It's not going to happen. But I haven't heard anything about it. And I just can't wait for them to come out just because of your excitement level. Yeah, they always talk about the the computers taking over uh, the entire world. The only computer that's going to dominate like, is is the net. The net is going to take over the world, I think. I don't think anyone else is going to take over the world. Like the Ken Palm computers, I don't think have the capabilities. Like the self-checkout things at the grocery store, they don't have the capabilities. But the net... Watch out. Yeah. That might be the one. So, um, anyway, getting back to this game here, Kentucky-UNC. By the way, I did see some of the lines for the original matchups here. I, I just want you to to guess yeah, what the guess. line was in Kentucky-UCLA. I, I, didn't rem, I don't remember what the UNC-Ohio State one was, but Kentucky-UCLA, what do you think the line was in that game? How was it even out, first of all? Because <laughs> wasn't this Wednesday? I have no idea. Yeah, okay, so you saw something. I would say, well, you're you're probably the reason you're bringing this up is because Kentucky was probably getting a huge boost in this game. I'm assuming because I think I did see the Kentucky UNC line, and I was kind of surprised how tight it was. I think I saw minus two somewhere for UNC. So UCLA was probably only two or three point favorites if you're talking about. It, I would guess Kentucky was a seven and a half point favorite. What? <laughs> I couldn't believe it either. Where was this? And <laughs> I, I just saw it on the Action Network. So so they kind of do a group polling of, of all the sports books. But, I mean, to see that number, I mean, my heavens. Like, what is that? What In what world is Kentucky favored against a, a team that can win a conference right now? I mean, seriously, pick pick a conference. I don't care which one it I is. I don't know if Kentucky's a favorite against any of them. I would have put the mortgage on UCLA. This is a huge bummer that it didn't happen. I'm baffled by that because UCLA, I know I've touted them all year. I, I really think, I know they lost to San Diego State to start the year. They were close with Pepperdine. But now you look back on those games, 
and they're probably better than we anticipated. And they've just, I think they've right. passed every test for me. I really think they're going to I mean, be Pepperdine's really pretty good. San Diego State is looking like it could go undefeated this year in the regular season. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I think UCLA is the much better team in the matchup. And I mean, I don't care that much about the, the travel and everything. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's certainly puzzling. I don't know if Cal's got his, got his hand in Vegas or something. Hey, hey, pump us up a little bit. But that that's, that that's, when I saw that line, I yeah. was baffled. Because if I would have guessed straight up and you, like if we were just doing this before you even hinted that there was a weirdness to the line, I would have said UCLA minus five, probably. That's about what, I, and if UCLA was minus three, I probably would have bet them. So if, if they were plus right. eight or whatever. So you're, you're 12 and a half points off right there. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, that's crazy. That, that's an easy, easy center. Or it's something where it's like, I'm so mind blown right now. I, I'm just going to stay the hell away from this. Uh, l- let's get into some of our picks here. We are going to pick the CBS Sports Classic. This is on Saturday. We'll start with Kentucky and Carolina. Where, where are you leaning in this one? I'm going to say UNC, and I'm tempted because Kentucky losing five in a row is just uncharted territory. It's kind of weird to see it come to reality, but there's no reason for us to pick Kentucky. Like, I don't know what you're thinking, but I just can't. Um, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not thinking Kentucky. How, how <laughs> yeah, could no, you? No, you're right. Like, what it's is It's one the... of those things where I'm more than willing to be late to the party. It's like the yeah. people who try to, to tear down the Spurs or tear down the Patriots. I'm more than willing to be late to that party because right now Kentucky is an absolute dumpster fire and I don't know where their next win is. Is it Vanderbilt? Because Vanderbilt's coming up in, I think, about a month for them. But the way that they're trending right now, there are not many get-right games for them. So I'm, I'm going to go with Carolina as well in this one. Who do you like in UCLA and Ohio State? I'll take UCLA. I continue to just stamp my bandwagon on them. I'm, I'm doubling down on on UCLA or is our friend Sean calls them UCL UCL lazy. How's he phrase it? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I came up with that. Oh, he, okay. He, he loves it because he, he's a big UCLA fan and, and he has also coined them lazy. So I, I kind of tacked them together, but UCL lazy. Um, but Mick's got them not being the, the lazy bunch anymore. Yeah, they look good. I I'm still buying their stock. So I think they, I like Ohio state too, but I think they beat Ohio state at a neutral site. Yeah, I'm actually going to roll with the Buckeyes in this one. I'm not quite sure what the, the health situation of EJ Liddell is, but especially if he's back, I like the the Buckeyes in this one. Uh, they're coming off a, a rough game against Purdue. That one was at Mackey. They, you kind of get back home a little bit here playing the game in Cleveland, so give me the Buckeyes in this one. Now it's time to get to our, our weekend winners and warrior. This is where we find all of the top 25 games for the weekend. We pick those. And then on top of that, we are going to pick a top 25 team that's going to lose. So far this season, Tim, I'm rolling with three points. We've had a game canceled every weekend that we've done this. So I went 2-0 the first weekend. You went 0-2. What did you do last week? Oh, I, I can't even went, remember. What I think were you went 1-1 one because one we both missed our upset pick. And then you hit on West Virginia over Richmond. I was on the other side. Yeah. So you, you're you rolling in with one point. I've got three right now. Um, so we'll start with the premier matchup of the weekend, and it's not even close. Iowa and Gonzaga, number one versus number three. This game's at the Pentagon. Sioux Falls, you know the shots are going to be falling, not just because it's both of these teams, <laughs> but the venue in Sioux Falls. The, I mean, play the overs, because that place, it, it just rains in there. So Gonzaga, Iowa, you and I have both talked about how much we 
are on the fence with Iowa. I won't say dislike Iowa, but we're on the fence with Iowa. It's kind of a, a love-hate thing with us right now. And they, they've been phenomenal. Like, don't get yeah. us wrong. 93 points in every single game so far. That's unheard of. And they're playing against some power teams, too. But they've yet to really face a good, good defense. And I'm not saying Gonzaga's blow the doors off, but they're the best defense they'll have faced so far this season. And to me, I, I have to roll with Gonzaga here. And I think it could be semi-convincingly. Honestly, this is going to shock you. The The COVID pause really concerns me about Gonzaga. They haven't played a game in 17 days. Mm, okay. I, I think I'm still going to pick Gonzaga because it just, I, I can't not. Like, everything about my brand is Gonzaga. I'm, I'm really in on them. Iowa, I don't trust their defense. But even though I think they're the better team, like, it wouldn't shock me if Iowa won because talk about a daunting task off of 17 days of not playing a game, a COVID pause. You just got to come out and run and gun with Iowa, go up and down the court. They're going to play fast tempo. It's going to be extremely high scoring shots everywhere this game i don't know what the over is but i mean it's gonna there's three i'm looking at the nba schedule i'm guessing it's gonna be a something that settles in the 170s yeah it's it's gotta be high the nba has three preseason games on the same day we got hornets magic pistons wizards hawks grizzlies i'd be willing to bet there's more combined points in this iowa gonzaga game despite playing a 40 minute game than one of those at least they won't won't be the lowest scoring game of basketball in the college NBA ranks uh, when you combine those three games and then the college ranks because I mean they've got to get to one team's got to get to a hundred I really believe that it's going to be so high scoring and I think Gonzaga probably is more likely to get to a hundred just because of all the defensive deficiencies facing Iowa right now. Again, best defense they're going to face so far. So did, did you make your official pick? I know you're, you're yeah, walking a little back and forth there. You're going to roll with the Zags. All right. But I, I wish it wasn't off the COVID pause because then I would get on here and be like, Gonzaga, 100%. Now I'm tentative and I feel like I was going to win and I'm going to have to talk on this podcast like Monday or Tuesday about how good Iowa is and everyone's ta- – like. I'm worried that that's going to be the narrative. I really do feel like the COVID thing is is a bigger deal than people want to give it credit, though. All right. Uh, we're closing out our, our Big Ten ACC slate. I don't know how many other games are getting rescheduled, but Louisville and Wisconsin is number 23 Cardinals, number 12 Badgers. Which side are you taking in this one? The same thing for this one. Louisville's coming off a pause, too, and they, they're down a lot of players. I, I think I saw a couple guys are, are out for them. Williamson. So I, I think there's this is a no-brainer. I would take Wisconsin in this game all day, especially I, I believe Wisconsin is home for this game, right? They are. Yep, yeah. this is at the Cole Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is. I think Wisconsin wins this game by 12 or 15 points, honestly. I, I'm with you. I think Wisconsin's the play here once again. You, you look at the – and the layoff thing that is – Smart that you brought up, but I think on top of that, I think Wisconsin's playing some of their best basketball right now, too. I mean, to go out on a whim, take down a team like Loyola, that convincingly, a, a good Loyola team, and I, I think they're playing some strong hoops right now, so give me the Badgers in that one. This is a Sunday game I got for you here, and this is the, the third and final ranked matchup we've got for the weekend. Illinois traveling out to Piscataway to take on Rutgers, a team that I, I'm high I'm high on both of these teams, honestly, but Illinois, Rutgers, 
Big Ten, second game in the Big Ten for each of these teams. Who do you like? This is a big one for Illinois and where I'm at with them. This is, if you're really a top 10 team, if you're really a national title contender, you go on the road and you win games like these and you establish your dominance. So I'm very interested to watch this matchup. Very torn on who to pick. I'm going to take Rutgers though because they're home and Ron Harper has been playing great. They get Geo Baker back. They have a lot of guards that can kind of put Illinois in the ball screen and pick and roll game, which is definitely their weakness when you get Coburn and ball screens and then he's got to switch onto a guard. So I think they match up pretty well. They're at home. And I, I'm not quite as high on Illinois as I was at the beginning of the year, or it sounds like you are, just because the Missouri thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way, even though Mizzou's a good team. So this is kind of, even though Illinois, all their losses would be good and respectable losses, if they already get to three losses and they lose this one, it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you beat Duke. That's a good win, but are you really a national title contender if you only win one of four games against some tough competition so far? I think one of the things we're going to see with the Big Ten this year, we're going to see some good Big Ten teams with a decent amount of losses. Oh, yeah. And I definitely. don't think we should overreact to some. Like, we're going to see some good Big Ten teams with 13, 12 losses. And I don't think we should be overreacting to that a whole lot. And, and Illinois, I, I'm going to roll with the Illini in this one. I know some people are skeptical of, okay, who's going to be the third guy for Illinois that can go toe-to-toe with a guy like Geo Baker? Because obviously you've got Io, you've got Ron, you've got Kofi, and then you've got Miles Johnson. But what's going to happen with Geo Baker? Well, I think Adam Miller actually stacks up pretty well with a guy like Geo Baker. And we'll see because I think... Io DeSumo, and you've also got a veteran in Trent Frazier, too, to help out, and DeMonte Williams. you got a bunch of vets, and they've played against this Rutgers team before. So I don't think the the in-the-shirt defense and 40 minutes of hell is something that necessarily phases Illinois because, quite frankly, I think they've seen 40 minutes of hell. And this is, this is going to look like a puppy fighting compared to that in what they saw against Baylor. And, and to be honest, Illinois was outplaying Baylor or at least playing neck and neck with them for 25, 30 minutes of that game. Yeah, I don't so, know if they were outplaying, but I agree. They there were tough. There were definitely portions they were outplaying them, but Illinois, I, I think they're going to take care of business against Rutgers. Upset pick, who is your weekend warrior top 25 team that is going to lose? Who are you taking in this one? There's a couple, I think, that stick out to me, but none that really call my name. Okay, so full disclosure, I completely forgot about this. So why don't you talk about your pick, and I'll stall and sort of look at the the slate this week and gather a pick here. All right, so I'm eyeing down a couple right now. I see Michigan State traveling to Evanston to take on Northwestern. Chris Collins always, always, always plays close with Michigan mm-hmm. State for at least a half, sometimes three-quarters of the game, and then the, the, the wheels come off the bus. So I thought about that one. UConn Creighton is another one that is kind of calling my name, as is Oklahoma State going to Texas. But you know what? I'm going to roll with the Huskies in this one. I think UConn is coming off a, a COVID pause, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. But Creighton, I think, is a team that's slipping a little bit right now. They did have the big win against St. John's this week. But I'm going to roll with UConn and, and the Huskies in this one. They're at home in this in this game, so let's let's see UConn and the Huskies take down a top 10 team in Creighton. Can I take UCLA? I know that's doubling down. Is that possible? I guess that's nah, not allowed. Yeah, that's not allowed. No. 
that would be the no-brainer. We, we already picked that game, yeah. Right, and I mean, we can't, it's not even fair to get two points for that because UCLA is favored on most lines against Ohio State in that game, even though they're not the ranked team. Okay, uh, there's not a whole lot out there, really, that's calling my name. I, I'll lean, I'll take Oklahoma State over Texas. That's at 2 p.m. on Sunday. I really do think Texas wins that game, but if I'm trying to nab two points somewhere, that's probably my pick. I'll ride Cade Cunningham. They had a bad loss to TCU over the weekend where they ended the game on a big scoring drought or the last what minute. What was it, like 11 0 run to close the game for TCU? Yeah, it was something like that. You went from like covering that. to losing by one. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I don't really think that is a huge knock on them because they're still six and one on the year i think they're very capable of beating texas but texas has such a good front court they'll probably just manhandle them however i don't really see any other games that stick out uconn's kind of intriguing because i do like them the covid pause just scares me a little bit right uh before we get out of here just want to mention one quick thing for those following the the Keontae johnson story too at least we saw some good news this week he facetimed with some teammates it looks like he's breathing on his own now so obviously not a full recovery quite yet, but good to see him doing a lot better than than he was not too long ago. So uh, yeah. thoughts and prayers once again with, with Keontae Johnson and the rest of that Florida team. I know they're going on a little bit of a shutdown now to kind of gather everything and their thoughts, and it's a scary scene. I'm still shocked that they continued with that game the other day, but good to see that Keontae Johnson doing a lot better. No doubt, and. I don't know. It's a weird situation because I think just 2020 and everything, we all just sort of were like, oh, yeah, that happened. Let's move on. Not I shouldn't say all of us, but as a collective, I felt like it deserved a little bit more attention, especially early in the week when there was still a lot unknown. And I know a lot of people sent out their thoughts and prayers and a lot of teams got in on it. But from a national perspective, I thought it it probably deserved a little bit more attention, but definitely good to see that He's made some progress in that regard and and was able to FaceTime his teammates. That was awesome. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back to recap all the weekend action, including that Gonzaga-Iowa game. I am super, super stoked. I'm super stoked to see the the Pentagon court once again. I need the Pentagon back in our lives, Tim. Yes. We'll we'll recap all that. Should be raining buckets out in Sioux Falls. And we'll also get everything you need to know from what happened in the CBS Sports Classic and all of that on Monday. And we'll preview the week as well for you. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys next week. The game was over.